What's going on, everyone? On this episode of National Board Conversations, I speak to Danny Holwig. He's a National Board Certified Teacher in Loveland, Colorado. He recently wrote a blog for us on The Standard discussing the value of reflection and having a postmortem. We get into exactly what a postmortem is, how we linked it to being an educator, and we get to learn a little bit more on Danny from a personal perspective. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Danny Holwig. Welcome, Danny. Thank you for joining the show. I'm glad to finally, you know, link together and get to meet you here. Eddie, thanks so much for having me, man. This is, uh, I've been looking forward to this all week long, so. Me too, me too. So uh, where are you currently and what's your um, current role and job? Yeah, right now I'm in Northern Colorado. I, I teach high school English language arts, which is a run of things, right? Uh, so sometimes you got some sophomores in, in a class in an honors English class. Sometimes you're teaching creative writing. Sometimes you're teaching an AP lit class. And uh, I'm also teaching a media literacy and publications course, which is kind of brand new. So we're still trying to sort of design that on the fly, but it's been a lot of fun. I think it's uh, extremely important for students to probably have three classes right now, right? It's like, uh, you got to understand government and civics, you've got to understand economics, and maybe you should understand media literacy and how it's all working. So that's important. Yeah, seriously, like I went to journalism school. And so um, that that makes me happy to hear that that's yeah. becoming part of school, because I didn't get that in my, in my, in my school curriculum. And you know, I got to see it in my high school after I left, like the a news literacy program and whole television journalism vocation came through. So it's nice that that's becoming a thing in, in schools. Now. Yeah, again, more reading. And then it just got inspired. But you know exactly what I'm talking about with being embedded with journalism is, man, it's just it's extremely important to be able to navigate it right now. So I'm uh, just going to try to help young adults be able to do that. Yeah. So why did you become a teacher? Oh, man. Well, it's not a, it's not the most romantic story, I think. I mean, the, the thesis really is I kind of fell into it. I was, I was studying English literature and language. It's where I was. I'd never really wavered from that. I started doing my grad work at Arizona State, and I thought, okay, I'm going down this track, and I'm going to probably end up in the teaching college range. But at some point, life hits you and you just end up got to get a job, right? So you got to get a degree and then you just got to get a job. And it ended up being education as far as public school. So I, I kind of had to go back a little bit to get my student teaching in, get that practicum in and what have you. But I needed to make I needed to make some money and start a career somewhere. So it was a public school that I started teaching at in Denver, Colorado. That doesn't even exist anymore, that poor <laughs> school, but uh, they built a nicer one and I think collapsed two schools into a really nice one down in Denver. And uh, so for the last 15 years, uh, I've been up here in Northern Colorado uh, teaching. So that's how I sort of fell into it. Totally thought I was going to teach college. I'm kind of a geek about English, lit, and language and wasn't really strong in education. So I had to go back and relearn a lot of things to make sure I was going to be a, at least a competent public school teacher. Hey, and now you're a national board certified teacher. That was a journey <laughs> as well. <laughs> so uh, when and why did you decide to pursue board certification? Yeah, that was a fun story. So I had, maybe it was 2014, I think, and I was doing some work with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation 
as well as the Colorado Education Initiative and Literacy Design Collaborative and Stanford Scale. And you meet all of these amazing people, all of these amazing facilitators, these amazing teachers that I work with in California or Louisiana or Kentucky and still keep in touch with these folks, right? And some are San Francisco Giants fans. I'm a Dodgers <laughs> fan, so we talk beyond national board as well. And, and when I started to to meet these folks, I started to hear the buzz about National Board. I did not even know what it was in 2014. And I met this, who would soon be my mentor, uh, this woman named Jessica. And it was another fellow teacher of mine, a teaching partner of mine. And we just started picking her brain about this. We were up in the mountains for sort of an educational retreat and listened to her for 30 minutes. And it wasn't that she was selling it. She was just really explaining it to us. And we kind of got in the mode of trying to figure out how to even start this process. Uh, my teaching partner and I, who since retired, God bless her, she went through her national board in her last five or six years of teaching. And so I think she's a champion for doing that too. We, um, we got together on a patio, I think it was maybe 2015, uh, 2014, 2015, and thought, can we do this? And the answer was no. Like we were just weren't ready. We, we didn't know how to navigate all of that. We saw the manual. We saw everything that would be for English language arts and young adult and adolescents. And it was just kind of tough. It was the following summer where we kind of committed. And it was so necessary to have one Jessica who mentored us and had a cohort group down in Denver that we would join here and there. So I totally think you need other people just to bounce ideas off and just for that encouragement and just be in the same boat together, rowing in the same direction, right? And thank goodness for my teaching partner too. So we just pushed each other. And our, one of our mantras was, uh, if we're going to do this, we're going to lean in. We, are, we aren't going to revise anything. We aren't going, we are not going to fail the first time around. And we, we did, we, we looked at stuff, uh, we read stuff from one another, we laid stuff out on tables in our classrooms, checked each other's work, make sure we had everything in the submission because everyone knows when you upload everything and then you got to finally hit the button, you're thinking, oh man, I hope I have everything and I hope everything's up to par and you got to wait the six or seven months behind it. So we did that in May of 2017 and clicked the button and uh, tried to present our best work and our best videoing, which was also a lot of fun and um, educational on that part from <laughs> your own strategies. And by 2017, it was December 2017, and we both got conferred and we successfully passed national board certification and became master teachers in our state. So, and I just finished my maintenance of certification. So I'll find out here in a month. Nice. Oh, so you anticipating, yeah, uh, December 11th. So less than a month. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about that too. So I just finished that and I pressed that button in May again, and we'll see how it all goes. Man, that sounds like a, like a both overwhelming and fun uh, candidate experience. Absolutely. It was, it was uh, an experience, man, Eddie, I, when you're in your first three years, you don't know what kind of teacher you are. When you're in your 10th year and you put in your Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, you think you have it, right? You, you, I can manage a room. I can design a curriculum. I do extra curricular stuff at school. I'm engaging all of those things that you think makes a good teacher. And then I started working with those other groups that I've mentioned, the, the Gates Foundation and Stanford Scale and such. 
And he thought, man, I still have a long way to go. Um, and it's just about being reflective. And I was already kind of in that mode. And the national board was on the stove. And when you went, when I went through that process, I learned that I wasn't great yet. I wasn't good yet. I could be a heck of a lot better for my students. I could be a heck of a lot more in the classroom. I could be a lot more to mentor teachers and younger teachers and be part of a mastermind group that kind of helps younger teachers in our profession. I just knew that I could contribute a lot more and I just wasn't there yet. And it doesn't mean that you have to be through national board to be a fantastic teacher. It's not at all what I'm saying, but you, you just, for me, it was this total vulnerability and understanding that, wow, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet. After going through that process, I can't tell you that I'm perfect and I'm there yet, but I'm, I asked the right questions, right? We'll, we'll talk about the book I was reading and it's about asking and reframing those questions and asking those right questions going forward. And that's, I think really what national board helped me do is really think about who I wanted to be as a teacher and where I was, where I was going in my career and what the next day in the classroom was going to look like and continuously be flexible and continuously be able to learn myself along the way, which we need to as teachers. Yeah, like exactly. It's very important. I mean, you brought it up. Oh, you wrote an art, you wrote a blog for us. We appreciate that when schools and Pixar collide, the value of postmortem. Uh, what got you to pick up the book in the first place and decide to compare it to your teaching? It was a it was a run of nonfiction, and suddenly I got into this whole run of reading CEOs and business people. For for I, I don't even know why I got there. I'm not in business at all, but I read Walter Isaacson's biography on Steve Jobs, and I was just curious in how Steve Jobs was working through a company and handling people. It led me to Bob Iger's book about Disney and his time as CEO of Disney called A Ride of a Lifetime. Led me to read Hastings' book about Netflix and the reinvention culture. And then I picked up Ed Catmull's 2014 uh, book about Pixar. And I just kept, through all of that summer, I just kept thinking how each one of these books, these leaders, these facilitators uh, who could really impact, all of these ideas could impact education on such a radical level. And right, I, I'm trying to build myself as a modernist teacher a little bit, a little more transformative, really taking risks. And so it was really refreshing to see and hear about these stories, about these multi-billion dollar companies, and sometimes on small, small levels in terms of teams working on really specific projects. And you couldn't help but starting to write some things down that you learned from these guys. And the Pixar one was so much about creativity and how to manage really talented, creative, risk-taking people that it just seemed to so make sense about what we would want in education and how we would want to talk to one another and how we would want to encourage one another to make the best show in the case of Pixar, but to make the best classroom, to make the best school, to make the best community as far as education goes. So it really was inspiring almost immediately. And what do you think is the value of developing the postmortem routine? Yeah, that postmortem routine was really about reflection, right? It was really about understanding lessons learned. 
uh, I, I remember writing how I chuckled at the euphemism uh, post-mortem, but this idea, which I think is really metaphorical with the national board process and journey too, about reflecting and about being in the moment and then immediately being able to take what you've gotten from kids or taking what you've gotten from a school year and how you can make that stronger and how you can make that better, right? So he's really going through those ideas of, hey, can we consolidate what we've learned? Well, I think at the end of the year, yeah, you want to be able to consolidate what you've learned, whether that is from your own class and trying to design a media literacy class, or if it's a program you put in at school and you just have to spend some time reflecting on it. We can't fall in the trap of thinking, oh, it was a success, so it's going to be successful and it's going to be, we're going to continue on that road. And at the same time, if it was a disaster, does it mean it immediately needs to be ditched, right? It's the Winston Churchill line. Success is not final and failure is not fatal. It's the willingness to continue. So we want to keep thinking in those terms. And that post-mortem was this really guided way of saying, hey, let's get together. Let's try to teach each other, especially those who weren't there, about what happened in the class or what happened in the school or what's going on with this program. So everyone is really on the same page, but at the same time, it's kind of hard. You really have to be vulnerable in order to sit through a proper post-mortem. You really have to be open to, uh, I, wanna, I don't wanna say criticism, but you've gotta be open to that feedback and you gotta leave the defensiveness aside and understand that it's not really the people, right? It's the process that we're really trying to make better. And that was the whole value of a postmortem. Man, we just want to get better and have better teachers in a better place in the following year or have a better school or have a better district in the following year. And you've got to be able to sort of force that reflection at times, right? He's got some really good lines about who wants to be second guessed and it's human nature to not want to sit in a in a room, a conference room, or on a patio, and sort of go through go through the nitpicking of it yeah. all. That, that's tough, you know. That's tough for a lot it's of hard. people. So, yeah. Why do you? Uh, so you wrote you like, and you wrote, and you talked about earlier. Uh, you like to work with others and collaborate with others, and you think that's very helpful. What makes it helpful for you to have others like dissect your work and and come at you? Yeah, one of the parts of the, the post-mortem is really trying to get others to under, understand your process and try to un- understand others' processes, particularly if you, weren't, if you weren't there, right? And then try to, pay that, try to pay that forward. So you're trying to really think about uh, getting to really the, the detailed aspects instead of talking in general. In general, When you're with a group, I had mentioned a mastermind group, which is you know, a John Spencer, AJ Giuliani thing, and trying to sit with other teachers, not so much to lament or groan about teaching or education, but it's really about to inspire and to motivate one another and to encourage one another, right? I, I sit with a group that has a seventh grade math teacher, another group that, another teacher who's got a, I think he teaches sixth grade English language arts and eighth grade English language arts, PE teacher at the middle school level. And I teach high school. So none of us are even in the same school. And what it allows you to do is also to try to share those ideas with one another, 
to be able to sort of refine those ideas. Hey, it's the kernel of something, it's the genesis of something, and maybe these other four or five can help you sort of pan that out. And then it's kind of nice to another, you know, another month later go, well, how did that thing go? The other part of the reflection is, and the postmortem is to not let my own resentments fester. So if I'm in really in a postmortem reflective moment with a with a team and we're thinking about a program or we're thinking about a project or you know I've directed theater and you just kind of debrief about the theater show or what it needs before it launches that weekend you want to get those resentments out you can't be carrying that that darkness with you you can't be holding some things in um, because it's just not going to be helpful for you it's not going to be helpful for the group so when you when you are allowed those 10 minutes or 15 minutes to say, Hey, Danny, go ahead and say your piece about, you know, this idea for our class or this idea for some aspect in education, you can get that out. They may not agree with you. It's not about me really persuading anybody, but I need to release that. I need to decompress. I need to make sure, well, Hey, at least I had my, at least have my voice heard they honored me. They gave me the time to be able to do that. No one was interrupting me. It's really important part of that postmortem that I have that floor for 10 minutes if I want to take it and being able to just talk through my own personal experience and with it and how I see it going forward and my reasons why or why not. And then I can just let that go wherever it ends up. At least I've said my piece. And, and I think that's really important. I think it's important for a lot of teachers. Let me, let me get this out and then I can move on. So... Yeah, and you brought up the importance of that in, in the article to, you know, make sure you let go of those resentments and disagreements. It's about it's about the goal. It's not about what just happened. Absolutely. It's it's just everyone needs to be in a place where, okay, that's we talked about that. It's good. It's over. Let's what's next, right? We always think about in terms of once we get the data back in a classroom or uh, at the end of the year for school, we tend to think that the most important question is why well, why did all this happen? And that's not really it. The most important question is what's next? Once we've got all that, what are you going to do with it the next year? What are you going to do with it the next period? What are you going to do with it the next class? That's what really the, that reflective postmortem style is going to help me, at least personally, be able to consistently ask, okay, so what's next for me? And that was the whole national board thing too, right? <laughs> why did the national board? Here it was. But it was about what was next after it. What was I going to do with it? How was I going to pay that forward? How was I going to contribute? And luckily, you guys let me write for you. So <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, you wrote about the term successful struggle that you got from the book. How would you define that term for yourself and give it a, a little bit of a definition for the audience? Yeah, the national board. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it really is about lessons learned, right? A successfully struggling is to be open. And I had mentioned the word vulnerable, this concept of being vulnerable over and over again. And only then it's, it's gonna, it's gonna feel like it hurts, but it only hurts in the moment. And then when you reflect on what's been said, or, hey, man, that class did not go well, or man, they did not do well on this assessment. I've got to, I'm not going to blame the kids, right? I've got to reflect on what did I do? Or what did I not do? How did I not scaffold? How did I not lay out an instructional ladder may, that may have been specific for that group? Because not all of kids are, you know, not even all classes are the same. So when you open yourself up to that vulnerability, that's where that struggle hits. But it's successful in the sense that once the summer is passed, once you get back to redesigning 
you know, I, I start designing classes again in, in July is typically when I start to get back at it and really think about my content and really start to consider what happened last year and look at my notes and look at my journal and, and start to move forward. That's when I know, okay, this next year is going to be more successful. I'm not going to, at least I won't try to make the same mistakes, but before you can not make those same mistakes, you got to be aware of what those mistakes are. So that's where that, that successful struggle comes in. Did you learn the lesson? And if you didn't learn the lesson, you're going to still be in that struggling moment. And if you've learned from it and can redesign, then that's a successful struggle. Oh, that's a little on the article. Everybody, make sure you guys check it out. It's on our website. Uh, when schools and Pixar collide, the value of the postmortem. So one thing I like to we'll move on. One thing I like to do here on, on this podcast is get to know our teachers a little bit outside the classroom because you guys are people too and you guys deserve to be known as regular folks. So first question right now we're going to hit you with is, uh, what is your movie theater snack of choice? <laughs> what do you want to know, Eddie, in the hard-hitting journalistic question? <laughs> I love that question. It's so it's so easy. And at the same time, you're like, well, man, there's a lot in that glass. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm a milk dud person, I think, uh, which isn't always the most gracious when you're out on a date, right, with somebody because yeah, that, it's not enough. <laughs> this is the beauty of podcast audio is, yeah, there's not enough in that box. And you get that sound. It's me chewing, you know, it's that Mm -hmm. what's going on so but uh yeah the milk dud is the go-to that that golden box okay okay Reese's Pieces over here Reese's Pieces is probably my go-to that is a classic E.T. movie uh Uh, all right so who was your celebrity crush while you were in school (laughs) her name is Alyssa Milano oh man so my sister is named after oh okay so (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a gorgeous name too. And Alyssa, I think, well, first of all, hi, Alyssa. And Alyssa is a couple of years older than me, I believe. So when I was 15 and she was 17, man alive. But hey, Alyssa, listen, it could still work out. Those who's the boss days and just, yeah, just crushed at that moment. Oh, man. All right. Last one, last one. What Jeopardy category was you run the table on? The Jeopardy category, I would run the table on. It, I guess it's easy to just kind of default to, to the English literature stuff, right? If you there's a category in hand, <laughs> I can run it. Uh, but Zack Snyder, who's a director of films, has a run of films, right? Like uh, 300 and Watchmen and Sucker Punch and Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, which is really kind of a piece of literature when you really start to read that movie all three and a half hours of it, but it's, it's actually really, really Listen, good. I used to write scripts and oh man, three to write a three and a half hour script <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. But if you gave me a, a Zack Snyder category, I might be able to make a really solid run, run at that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I respect this different. I like it. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, Dan. This was so much fun. We'll definitely have to do this again if you write first. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably have you write first again. Oh, we'll I'm, definitely I'm, do this again. <laughs> I am all about it. It's it's been a it's been a great opportunity. And again, you know, start interacting with people who have read the article or getting to meet a person like you and, and spending a morning. So this has been, yeah, this has been a real highlight of the month for me. So I, I really appreciate you guys giving me that moment and and having me on this the podcast, man. 
Oh yeah, no problem. One more. What are you bringing to Thanksgiving? What are you bringing to Thanksgiving dinner? I'm bringing myself. I'm actually on a road <laughs> trip, and I said, "Look, I can swing by and grab some things." Or, and they said, "You know what? There's just going to be a chair for you." And so it might be some kind of beverage because I won't show up completely empty-handed. But uh, yeah, it's a. It's, I think it's going to be a gathering of 15 people. That oh got, man, I've got to think about bringing some kind of beverages for. So that'd be nice. Well, thank you again for coming on. We'll definitely do this again. And uh, everybody, make sure you go read, check out Danny's piece when Pixar and Schools Collide, The Value of the Postmortem. It'll be linked in the show notes, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care, my friend. Danny dropping some Denver nuggets all over the episode. I had a really good time talking with Danny, discussing his recent blog post for us. Be sure to check it out. I'll link to it down in the show notes. I just want to thank him again for taking the time to talk with me, and thank you for being a loyal listener to National Board Conversation. Be sure to follow us on all our social media and engage with us on your thoughts on potential topics you'd like to discuss on the show. This is Eddie Santiago signing off. Until next time, goodbye, everyone.